This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside me, as always, he's a player, diarrhea giver. It's Mitch Doyle. Good day, everybody. And tried to grow his hair out when his friends were listening to Slayer. It's Dale Roots. They did, and it worked. And yep. now they're not friends anymore. Sorry. Oh, that's sad. Uh, that, 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 uh, that this week's uh, intro sort of lyrics quoting request came from Matt Coleman. He wanted those Blink-182 lyrics on the, on the record this week. So we take lyric requests now? Yeah. Is, that, is that what we do? Well, I, I'm gonna, I think I might scrap it at the end of the year anyway. It's getting too hard. We've, we've gone through too many different things. I'm going to repeat myself at some point. So, yeah. Taking requests for the rest of the season. Anyway, we're back. Well, some uh, of us after... who know such a little about pop punk, I only knew you've been doing that for about three weeks. So. Is <laughs> <laughs> he um, going to cancel a sick thing I didn't know you were even doing? So there you go. Oh, well, fair enough. Anyway, uh, so we are fresh off the, you know, one of the best sporting weekends of the year when we get the four, uh, four footy finals in the space of those three days there and a pretty crazy weekend. We had all four underdogs springing out to double-digit leads before all four of them lost and really only one of them lost close. The other three ended up pretty much getting blown out in the end. So, yeah, I, I, boys, I can't really remember uh, our first week of the finals as sort of weirdly both up and down, but also in the, every game kind of followed the exact same script. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you, you make the point about each team, like, blowing out to a lead, but I don't think that there was any point really where you were kind of watching them being like, they're, they're away and they're going to win this. Like, I yeah. don't think watching the Sharks game or watching... I mean, the Eels was slightly different because I think that, um, like, you kind of... They were always underdogs um, for obvious reasons. Um, but with the other games, you didn't really ever think, oh, there's no way they're getting chased down from here. Like, that Sharks game, as soon as Williams went in to score just before halftime, I was like, oh, well, that was a fun 25 minutes. Uh, yeah. And, but, yeah, exactly. it, as you are saying, it was, it was at least... It was at least fun. And that's what we want. We want fun. Well, Just I do let the boys play is what I'm saying. Yeah, I do remember. So the two years ago in 2018, I know the Storm beat you guys, the South 29-28 round one. Crazy that game. Was similar. And then the Broncos were also ahead against the Dragons. They lost by 48. They did. Jackson put a hat <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then um, the Warriors were ahead 12-0 over Penrith and lost 27-12. But the other game, the, the, the Sharks only had 6-0, but kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. But still, yeah. as you said, mate, some of these leads, I mean, as you, uh, Dale mentioned it perfectly there, they were leads that, even though they were like two score plus leads, like the 14-0 for the Knights, it's, you're just like, ah, don't worry about it. The Raiders well. was like, ah, don't worry about it. The second half, don't worry. Yeah. That was a, that was a textbook 14-0 dickheading, but we'll get to that. We will get yeah. to that later, but we're mm. going to start. No, I want to on... say one thing, mate, before we move on. So I delivered mics yesterday. So we finally bought some new mics for recording from home. Better mics with the patron money. I just want to shout out Dale Roots for his postman work because this is the <laughs> best thing ever. Yes. Now, I don't understand what's going on with postman and who they're kidding through coronavirus, how they think they can still put those goddamn postage slips in our mailbox like everyone's at home right now. Mm. But shout out to my, my king over here, Dale Roots, who put on his letterbox I pulled up last night. It says, Dear Postman, underlined, I am home. Stop. Double underlining all capitals. Taking my parcels to the post office, please. Thank you. Two exclamations. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. 
<laughs> and then place bus corresponding units, blah blah blah. But I just like um, that. Yeah, like, yeah. I am you're, goddamn you're, here. You're that photo. Chuck that photo on the Twitter and the Instagram <laughs> later. But very good areas. From, I must from, say the from the Dallas. funny thing was the day that you was it yesterday you came and delivered these. So on yeah. on Friday I went to get something out of the <clears throat> I went to get something out of the uh, mailbox. I might have been Saturday. Day here is not important. Two slips. Two in the letterbox. With that on the front of it. With that still there. So obviously just not buzzing because one of us is always home. Uh, Sarah, my flatmate, is usually working from home and I'm here probably 50% of the time. Um, but she works out of her room and I work out of mine. There's always somebody here. Who are you kidding? Australia Post. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I've done... I, so um, I'm at my mother's when we came back here. We had left, but we came back just for her health a few months ago. Won't get into that. But anyway, my first day I came back, I ordered a package and a week later it didn't come up and I, I didn't come. So I sent it a complaint to Australia Post. I outlined that. It's like, I am working from home. I am here. I know when I'm here, give me my goddamn packages. Mm. And so since that day, Australia Post haven't missed. <laughs> but, but now I know it's that goddamn Star Trek who's doing it. Now I know yep. it happened to me twice. So now I'm doing, I'm going to do what you did, Dale. I'm going to put on the letterbox. Firstly, congratulations. Thank you, Australia Post. I'm going to make, <laughs> thank you for giving my packages. Love your work. But yep. Star Trek underlined. Yes. I am home. <laughs> yeah. Very true. I mean, it's bullshit behavior at the best of times, but particularly during Corona. Pull, yeah, pull your man. Head. It fucking kills me. Yeah. All right. Uh, Penrith Panthers 29, Sydney Roosters 28. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the F word was being dropped uh, fast and loose after 10 minutes of this game. That is, of course, fraud, not the uh, sweary kind. Uh, with the Roosters out to a 10 nil lead before. I thought you were talking about finals there for a minute. I was confused. <laughs> that, word was, that, word, that word was also said, yes. I mean, like, um, yeah, it's the finals. Before Penrith romped back with uh, five unanswered tries and a late Nathan Cleary insurance field goal to sort of, uh, I guess, sort of squash that attempted Roosters comeback in the last uh, quarter of the game. But yeah, very, very impressive stuff from Penrith, who will now go on and face the winner of South Sydney and Parramatta in week three. Uh, so what what I've heard about this Roosters team is that in the locker room, they're kind of ready for this to end. And I know they only lost by one point, but there was periods of that game when, when Penrith got physical and they got away to that lead. It looked like a team that was like, yeah, I think our, our, our watch is done. And they did come back and they, and they did get back into the game and they only lost by one point. And most of the numbers showed the, a close game it was, but... That period there, that 30-odd minutes, was like, what happened last week? What happened this game? This is a talented team, but I don't think this is a team that wants it as much as they used to want it. And it sounds dumb saying that, but I just don't have the... I have less confidence in them now than I had when they lost by 60. Because, mm. like, they kind of went missing for a good period of this game that was that was there for the taking. They're up 10-0. But for, like, 40 minutes, they'd switched off. And I, and I, and I do think they're really missing... And in that 40 minutes, they're really missing an extra physical prop. Like they've got a lot of good middles. You know, they've got Isaac Liu, Takiaho and Rhea Hargraves are quality. Lindsay Collins had a good sin off the bench there, but they're really missing someone to, to go with Lindsay. And that happened in this, on this bench period because Penrith are, are goddamn insane. Half those kids, I don't know what's going on and what they're putting the water over there, but they're insane. Chahooing on the field, screaming, let's go at halftime or whatever. And they're intense and they've got that young man energy They've almost, because they haven't, like, it's almost like an experience is a benefit for them with how well they're going, that they haven't experienced loss or any, any of that kind of stuff. But, like, some of them are going, in, like, Fisher-Harris is physical for a full 80 minutes. And got, teams like the Roosters haven't got that left in them anymore, I just don't feel. 
Are you suggesting someone's tainted the oak supply? <laughs> <laughs> they finally fluoridated the water out at Warragamba. Is what you're trying to say. <laughs> they played so physical and, and, and the Roosters just couldn't handle it, in my opinion. And they, yeah, they got back into it again late and they've only lost by one. But that middle period is a massive concern for them. And Robbo has been, a, you know, the best coach in the league for the last few years. But just, just before they had Cooper, when they got knocked out a couple of years ago as well, when they got knocked out by the Cowboys, he made a couple of questionable calls, you know, a couple of unconfident calls on his team list. I think he did the same thing in this game. And, um, yeah, like, and, you know, the, the stuff like Orbison playing hooker off the bench in the mm. final, hated that. I know Lassick yeah. wasn't very good starting either. thought that was questionable. Uh, then again, again, as I said, I thought I questioned the re- use of the rest of the bench. And I don't think Sonny Bill should have been there, but... Yeah, and I, and I don't even like, I don't like Crichton not playing the full 80. I think Crichton, like, stop with this Satili Tupanua bullshit. It'll, his time will come. Crichton is the best back row on that team. He should play more minutes. Mm. I tend to agree. Yeah, I, like, I like, I like Tupanua specifically on that point. But as you say, like, you've got to kind of have guys out there who are going to be able to give you 100% physically for the amount of time that they're out there. And if you're putting Tupanua out there trying to get 120% out of him, like, you, you can't. You can't take the, what you gain by his extra physicality and his extra like go forward. You lose having Crichton off the off the field. You lose more, in my opinion, because as as we've spoken about a number of times in the last few weeks, like Crichton's on a hot streak that we haven't seen in years. Um, and if you take him off, you're you're dulling that form because you're asking him to kind of go start again when he comes back onto the field and work back into the speed of the game. Whereas if he's out there for that full 80, he can, he can kind of, I know obviously it's a much more physical task, but he can kind of feel, like feel the flow of the game as opposed to having to kind of get back into it when he comes in off the bench. As I said, like I like Tupinor. I think he's a great player and he will be a very good player, you know, in a few years. But that the other point that you make about Orbison, uh, Look, if there was a KPI of dumb shit decisions, <laughs> uh, he's certainly met it because that's a decision that should never have been made. I know that they're down hookers and I, I get that, but like, mm. man. Mm. Yeah, then- it's really tough. And, and, and uh, is there a more disrespected Roosters player over the last few years than Jake Friend? I don't really think that there is. And obviously without Sam Verrills there as well, they were very much down to bare bones. But mm. I mean, you've just got to try and make it work. You've got, you've got to try and get 80 out of Lusick, I think. I mean, just... Yeah, as you said, it's just a it's just a bizarre move in such an important game for them. I mean, I, I get that like, if not last year, I know Lachlan Lamb was on that bench, he was doing okay as a fourteen when he had played those games, and from all I know reports he was fit. That's what I don't get. And yeah. for me again, like last week is not very good. And it is funny you said that, that you said that Jake Friend has been pretty unappreciated by Roosters fans. This is one of the first games I've seen the appreciation. Like they think they would have won, and they maybe they would have won if, if Friend was there. But um, like the service was terrible, and then that when that run was on at the end of the game, when Orbo came back on, he almost killed the run with how bad his service was. Would mm. they have won if Kurt Baptiste had played? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm uh, not going to say no. To be really honest <laughs> with you. But so anyway, what, the the thing I was mentioning, by the way, in 2017, if you've forgotten what he did in that finals, he being Trent Robinson is uh, Daniel Tupo had missed the last four rounds of the season. And so on, in the first final against the Broncos, which they came back and won with, you know, the Trolls fend, he started Tupo off the bench. And he had hmm. Mad- the centre pairing was Ryan Madison and Mitch Orbison. And it yep. beat the Broncos. But then they did the same thing against that Cowboys team. And that, you know, the Cowboys should have never made that grand final, but they did. But 
yeah, did not go well going the Trump Mitchell on the wing, Madison and Orbison in the centers, Michael Gordon at fullback, Ferguson the other wing. Just those kind of things. Like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? You're overthinking this. Mm. For a great coach, he still has a few of those those in him. Yep, absolutely. But on the Penrith side of things, I mean, you do have to feel... I mean, I feel happy for them in the sense that like, you, you do see this quite often in sports where there'll be a team that's so rampant during the regular season, but because they've not been good for a couple of years, uh, people are very reluctant to sort of give them any credit until they, in inverted commas, prove it by winning a big game. So mm. I was very, very happy for their fans just that they were able to get that monkey off their back here. And, you know, people talked last year about whether Nathan Cleary could elevate his game to another level. And, and, you know, the tries, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of luck involved, but I thought his overall play was fantastic. And the man alongside him, Jerome Luai, is playing incredibly well as well. And you said before just the energy of their forwards and just the the aggression and the the positivity coming out of this team. Um, They're going to be a nightmare for either Souths or Parramatta uh, in, in a week's time with with or without Billy Kicker. I, I do think, um, the thing you mentioned on Cleary, I still don't think he's the best player in this football team. And I'm not trying to knock him on this stuff, but I do feel like he's one of those players that he's greater when the players around him are better as well, if you get me. Like, he's kind of mm. like when, when yeah. Cooper Cronk sat in that storm spine and he wasn't the superstar in it, but he was still one of the best players in the team. I feel like Cleary's kind of like that. So I do feel like Luai and Api Corosau will make this team tick. Oh, yeah. But, like, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Adam Reynolds is probably the most logical comparison. Mm. Guys who pretty much can't be good unless they have a running 5-8 next to them and if the forward pack is rolling. But if everything is sort of working together, then there's pretty much no one else in the comp you'd rather want in that role. And we're seeing that right now because those two are the two form halfbacks in the two form teams right now. So um, in that in that sense, I completely agree with you. And the Coruscant signing has absolutely transformed that club this year. But I, I am just genuinely pleased for Penrith and, and their fans that they can enjoy a night like this. Even if it ends up with them not winning the Premiership, um, mm. at least they've proven that they're, they're, they were... At least they've proven that their regular season wasn't a joke by knocking off the defending Premiers in a big game like this. Yeah. I, I do, though. I want to combat that credit thing you were saying is that, like, I just... I think Panthers fans... They've had a good team in the past and they've won in 2003 and they've been doubted for so, many, so much the last few years and been frauds. I think they were expecting more when they won, if you get me. It's kind of like yeah. when, when Kevin Durant won his first NBA title and he was just like, oh, I'm just, oh, we just won. Like, it didn't change his perspective. It's like, no, that's what winning feels like. You, like, you get what you want out of winning. And Penrith fans wanted more credit. And it's like, I'm telling you guys, you win this comp, that credit still isn't coming. You have to just take what you want out of the win and enjoy it yourselves. Like, don't wait for someone else to say what a great team you are. It's not fucking coming. You'll be down yeah. forever. It's sports. Yeah, also they're they're two dollars seventy five premiership favorites right now. It's not like they're being disrespected. Like, yeah, they're not. And they're, they're definitely not being disrespected by you know people who are writing and talking about footy because like people have been riding this Penrith wave for the last probably eighteen months. Like yeah. as you say, like if you're not going to enjoy the win, if you're not going to enjoy the success, don't come to us looking for us to enjoy it for you. Yeah, or give you credit. Hey, uh, That's how you're going to enjoy it. Oh, you got credit yeah. from some oh, random yeah, on the look internet. At us. We won a premiership. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look, look. Yeah, you you just got to settle for not being called frauds because even when you win the comp, everyone just says the ref cheated anyway. That, that's, uh, that's what happens. And, and for them, they'll get Corona Cup. They won't. None yep. of their records will count, even though they're going to. They might break. I think they equal if they win the grand final, win round one next year. They equal the all time wins in a row yeah, record for rugby. Yeah, yeah. And no one's going to give a shit because they're going to tell you it doesn't matter that 
you have to apply your own context and say it matters. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Don't let him get to your Penrith fans. You keep at it. Uh, I'll tell you who won't be keeping at no, it. No, wait, wait, we're not going on yet. Uh, what? We, 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 no, no. We have to shout out Stephen Crichton, man. Like, come on. Like, that was, uh, he's been looking like this all season. He deserves an Origin jersey. He'll probably get one. But um, we have all these, the last 15 years, we've been looking for the next Falau, the next Greenless, and all that. And the one who is most like that mold is under, was under our noses the whole time. And he got none of that goddamn raps. And it's Stephen Crichton. He was exceptional in this game. He gave Joey Manu a bath and that left edge of like, it always looked great, but again, couldn't be easier to look great when you've got kick out and Crichton outside mm, you as well. Like, but Crichton is exceptional. I love that guy. And it just feels like every time he gets the ball near the try line, he makes the right call. And he's one of the most athletic gifted players in the, in the league and good for him somehow sneaking through under every single radar, you know, just good for him and good for him for not signing his contract yet. Who, who does, real- who's he declared for, for origin? He's a blue. Um, blue. But good uh, on and him. New South Wales going to be concerned or, or confused when there's um, one black Crichton and one white Crichton? Are they going to be like... <laughs> well, no, the what? centres are going to be Crichton and Whitendale. It's going to be oh, great. Oh, God. Yeah. And Whiten isn't even white. Oh, my God. What's going on? New South Wales Rugby League headquarters in flames. You've got to feel sorry for the, um, for the Bulldogs for signing Christian Crichton. <laughs> yeah. you get the brother you know usually you get the the, the package deal you know up yeah. in brisbane yeah you, you 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 cop you cop your luke burgesses and your jamin lowe's when yeah. you get sam burgess and ben lowe etc mm, um yeah. this one not so much yeah yeah it's like up in brisbane they signed ashton sims to get Tarek to join their system you know the the sea eagles signed the glenn short to get brett glenn turned out to be good anyway but yeah they signed christian and just oh you just you got christian <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Stephen I'm sure Christian's happy. Great. That's the most important thing. And good on him for not... It was reported in like July he'd signed a four-year deal. Mm. Good on whoever told him to not sign that contract. And it's probably still coming, but he should be as chased and sought after as Dave Fafita was this year. And hopefully he gets he gets what's due because uh, Penrith had to swindle the whole competition getting him on like 400k for four years. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so now moving on. Canberra Raiders 32, Cronulla Sharks are 20. Uh, Cronulla had shot out to a 14-6 to lead. We're looking all over Canberra, really, before George Williams intercepted right on half time, so it took, took the wind out of sails, and from there it was one-way traffic in the second half. Uh, probably culminating uh, with one of the funniest finals tries we've seen in a while. The, the, the try to see on a car tour right at the end? What? What are you <laughs> doing all the time? Uh, I'm 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 a terrible man. I'm of uh, course talking about Jack White and taking a quick tap while half the shark <laughs> is looking the other way and yelling at the ref. Oh, uh, but I was challenging. It's a ruck infringement. You can't. Uh, never is mind. That, was the ref correct, by the way? Because I actually didn't know when it happened. Well, what? my understanding was that you could, but it's not a six again. It was a straight up penalty. So, I mean, well, that's, Mitch, that's, you're Mitch, the, Mitch, you're the uh, you're the knowledgeable one here. Yeah, look, the challenge rules are... <laughs> Come on. We made up, made them up on the fly. Who knows what could be challenged? I don't know. Like, I'm sure I could probably find two different interpretations of the rule online right now. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it kind of makes sense that you can't make a challenge to a ruck infringement because, like, it's a ruck infringement. Like, it's a yeah. fairly subjective... I don't no, think... That's not true. I mean, I mean... Newcastle challenged one against South literally the next day and, and, yeah. and they got it reversed. So. I mean, my, my point is more like, oh, he's laying on the tackle for too long. Like, yes, that's a ruck infringement. Is that what it was for? 
No, I'm not sure. No. I can't remember. Wasn't it for stripping the ball out? That was for t- pulling the ball out while he was playing the ball. Yeah, which you, which which Newcastle literally challenged but the following so, day. So, so I don't the, know what the rule is. The rule is the only decisions that can be challenged are ones that involved in a structured restart of play. So the rule does say structured restart of play, which rules out ruck infringements. You can't challenge ruck infringements. Because ah, so a restart of play is like a penalty, a scrum, a dropout. You know, a, a a knock, like, no, no, but the, the structured restart is the penalty. Yes. So they can challenge it. Yeah. <laughs> you're asking, can't us, to, infringements though, you're so, asking yeah. us to no, measure right. water. If, they'd given, if they'd given a six again, it's not challengeable. Yeah. Because they gave a penalty, I think they should be allowed to challenge it, right? Yeah. I don't know. As you said, they made these rules up on the spot. Didn't think that it could come up in a big spot like a finals game, mm. potentially inside that game, by whether you have to determine whether or not a quick tap after a penalty counts as a structured restart or not. I don't know if it does. <laughs> And neither did, neither did anybody by the sounds of things. Yeah, exactly. Like I was watching this and all of the, you know, commentary and the experts who were watching this game are just like, look, I'll be honest, I don't really know. Uh, no. Anyway, moving along. That's what uh, I'm going to say try because it was funny. Yes, I agree. Try because okay, it was funny and because yeah, it was um, the Sharks mainly. Um, George Williams' intercept aside was excellent. Yeah. I mean, like, I, he's obviously not going to win any medals this year, but like, I think he's in fantastic form. I've really enjoyed watching him play. Um, I like the, I like the finesse that he adds to the to the Raiders halves. Like Whiten is kind of all uh, like you know half and half, but I like Williams. I like the fact that he's relatively calm on the ball, <clears throat> for one, and I also like the just the little touches of class that he adds. Whether it's just he looks like he has a lot of time when he kicks, or his short kicking game is really good, or he can find the grass when he puts it a long kick, for example. Just those little things that you know a lot of teams don't have in the combination um, him with White. And for example, like White's kicking game is like long kicking is really good. His attacking of the line is really good. Um, he tends to set up well for like kicks out to his centers and uh, centers and wingers, for example, those little things in combination to me work really well together. And I, that's one, one of the things I enjoy watching about, about George Williams is just those little, those little touches of class that that's what I enjoy about his game at the moment. Yeah, I just want to mention, so I have pulled up the, the official captain challenge rules past the official announcement. And it does say, so it can be challenged for penalties, so offsides, as in offside downfield on a kick chase, that type of offside. You can challenge a restart infringement in terms of kickoffs going out on the full or similar, stealing the ball, uh, foul play, obstructions, mid-air tackles, mid-air contests. Knock on those strips. You can you can challenge that, and then other few other things. That's the penalty ones. Penalties you can't challenge. Ten meter offside, ruck and marker infringements, time wasting, descent or back chat, deliberate forward passes, and scrum penalties. Now, okay. now the, my big concern is there's already penalty types missing from that. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Right. So the difference, I guess, is on Sunday. Sirenin's one was a strip before the ta- before he was brought down to the ground, whereas the one on Saturday night was not a strip. It was, it was a rough yeah. Fringe. It was stripped while he was, was getting up trying to play the ball. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's different then. I don't know. Yeah, it's a try because it was th- funny. Those are rules. <laughs> those are the rules. <laughs> that's how rules work. Well, I'm glad we clear as mud. Good job, boys. Well, had um, we ironed that one out. <laughs> yeah. Again, and you me- we mentioned this at the top of the show, but I I never really thought Canberra were going to lose this game. Um, it, it 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 seemed like Cronulla, especially at halftime, just after halftime, were pretty shell shocked by that intercept, and it, at that point didn't run, had pretty much run out of ideas. And 
honestly didn't really even look like scoring again until the very end of the game. That that was one thing that I noticed um, in the second half. Aside from that Cartor like intercept, which was great, and like you know that good for him. I felt like aside from that try, that second half could have gone on for a month and they wouldn't have scored. Like they just looked completely bereft of ideas. Every time it was just like, okay, get the ball to a half, we'll kick it across field. And you're kicking across field to two relatively good wingers in the air and two relatively good centers in the air. And all your other option is Nico Klockstad, who we've discussed at length, who is very good getting the ball out for, uh, like out of his in goal. Like it just, it was formulaic to a, to like ad nauseum. And it was really unappealing, like as a viewer, just being like, okay, cool. So they've made it into the 20 and now oh, they've kicked the ball again. Great. Okay. Like if you're, if you're their coach, surely you're just like, all right, we've got to kind of come up with something different, like grub of the ball. What anything, run it, please do something. But yeah, as I said, I, f- I felt like they could still be there running around on that, you know, piece of grass and they wouldn't have gone over. It. Well, yeah. In that first half, they, they out- almost doubled the meters gained by the, sh- the Raiders until they intercept. They had 65% to 35% possession in that half. They had more line breaks. They, they, the Raiders had conceded five penalties to two. And they only went in. Like, I, I was confident. I saw Camp after the game and I, I said they, that was a 12 point lead. We, like, Possession, they have twelve point lead field position, and we're only up by well, they're up by eight. No, sorry, not by eight. They're up by ten. But then Williams scored that try, and I'm like, well, that's game. I was like, they, they, there's no way, like, there's yeah. no way the Raiders don't get some possession back in this second half and get a few opportunities, and that's exactly what happened. They ran them down pretty comfortably, and as you said, Dale, that, without that intercept at the end, the Sharks looked list, listless in the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, the possession became a pretty much even in the end of the game. That's so. The reverse possession That's never happened. never a good sign. Yeah. yeah. They, they came right back into it. But, uh, yeah, I thought, as you said, George Williams was exceptional. And I loved that the intercept he took was an all or nothing play. Mm. But I love that he somehow found a second gear. When he was, I thought it was all from all money getting run down. But I thought he was great. And um, I thought, yeah, as, as we all think every week, Joshua Parley was also exceptional. But I, I didn't think there was that many standouts along Canberra side bar the halves. I thought it was really Williams and White that stood up the one this one in this game. Like White in second try, that goddamn Gumby. I don't know how, but he got up I there. can't believe he scored that either. Like <laughs> it wasn't necessarily for me like the catch, like claiming the ball in the air. It was just the fact that he just crumpled like a fucking accordion, like yeah. trying to cut, drop the ball onto the line. Like how like I would be in hospital if I had attempted that. The man is clearly made out of, you know, very soft aluminium. But yeah, it was it was just like and and watching it back when they were going through the bunker, they're like, surely no, sure, ah, oh, it's a try. Well, there you go. But yeah, uh, again, hilarious because it's the sharks. So good job, yeah. Canberra. Anything else before we move on? Yeah, CS of Italikai has had a great season. I don't know how that turned into like a great middle or an edge, but good on him. Went from you know an outside back at South to what he is now. A couple of good finds for Canala, but. They've done all right for, as we know, we know they didn't beat a top eight team. They did pretty well for a team that, you know, start of the year that you would have thought guys like Moylan would have played, you know, he's at least a starter. They had no Sean Johnson. Fafita's gone off a cliff. Woods never went up the cliff. But like, Wade Gray went off a cliff as well. Like, all that's happened and they still made the finals and they still found some good young fellas. So, that, you know, that, yeah. be, they can be pretty happy with that season. Sean Johnson back. A couple of shrewd additions next year. Who knows what? Who knows? 
Who knows? Yeah, agreed. Anyway, uh, Melbourne Storm 36, Parramatta Eagles 24 at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, once again, Melbourne, uh, sorry, Parramatta jumped out to a 12 0 lead after 20 minutes. And then it was pretty much one way traffic after that. Um, yeah, Storm at Suncorp, quite good, as we knew. But um, I, I think there are a lot of positives Parramatta can take out of this. I mean, in small patches at the very least. You've got to try and find something. I guess obviously the negatives being that no Micah Sevo this week and perhaps no Blake Ferguson as well. I, I think Sevo's, if they make the grand final, Sevo's gone for the season. Like having him in a brace so soon. <laughs> if after, they make it the grand after, final. After, well, you know, when they beat Souths this week and, you know. Uh, anyway, moving on. So, okay. <laughs> guy's trying to mute me on the Zoom. You've got two head shakes. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, seriously, if, if they somehow make the grand final this season, like Sivo's not coming back, um, he, he, having him in the brace that early after the injury is never a good sign. Um, but yeah, as you say, Ferguson as well. I mean, in fairness, like Ferguson hasn't been fantastic. They could probably play a Roomba out there at this point and they'd be getting no, out of it. I, hey, uh, look, as, as, as much as he's been pretty shithouse in attack in terms of scoring tries, obviously. He's important. At, he's important. He's so important wise. to everything yeah. they do, man. Like, their, their their whole early season form was based on both wingers making huge yardage runs yeah. at the start of every set. They're not going to have that with uh, whichever Jennings brother it is on the wing. <laughs> is it George, I think? I don't know. Yes. It could be. Yep, George. And if Ferguson doesn't play, it's either going to be Will Smith or someone called Hayes Dunster playing That's on the other wing. That's made up. No, it's not. Legit, looking at it now. Never heard of him. But what's, regardless, Bevan, what's Bevan French up to? Oh, mate. <laughs> if you want yardage runs, he's probably not your guy. But regardless... <laughs> Without, if they don't have Sevo by himself, is a huge loss for this upcoming week. Yeah. If they don't have Ferguson as well, it's, it's pretty much curtains for them. I think that's like four hundred meters. We well, could be looking at a weird change of Brad Takarangi in the centers and like Wanga Blake to the wing, even. Uh, yeah, that could happen too. But didn't yeah. Wanga Blake what, play like out of his skin at some point this season, and he, we were all like, "Holy he, shit, how did that he happen?" Played no, he played well Penrith, ten minutes against Penrith. That was it. Against Penrith. That's, that's his whole right. career. Yes, and we were all like, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> um. <laughs> There's a they, classic revenge game too, right? Penrith fans believed him forever. No one else ever did. And then that's what he, who he does it against, yeah. of course. Um, but anyway, back to this game. We'll get to next week shortly. Um, Mel- Mel- Melbourne, again, I-, I don't know what it is, but like they they did this against South as well. They, they struggled early on. They struggled to get a read into the game, but then suddenly it just clicks and they go bang, bang, bang and score a bunch of tries in quick succession. I, I, is, is this a pattern that they can use for the rest of the season, Mitchell? Well, I do think they struggled for maybe the first 15, but I, I, I really thought that halftime scoreline flattered Para. They had six line breaks in the first half, the Storm did, and they had a couple of tries bombed down the left by like Kenny Bromwich and friends on the left-hand, left-hand <laughs> side. That Going in at, at 12-all, I thought they were flattered by that, and I think they're kind of flattered by the final scoreline too. You know, they, they did only like, I mean, okay, they considered 36, but they only lost by 12 in a game that like it felt like any time the Storm spread it after the about 20 minute mark, it felt like they were going to go to the field. And that might have something to do with the fact that, as you said, there was kind of makeshift backline in there with Sevo getting replaced early. But um, the Storm just, they ha- this is the thing for them this year and is why they, they a better chance than they have been the last couple of years post Cooper is they do have that extra gear now that they haven't had the last couple of years when we've said, oh, when they get to the finals, someone else will probably beat them. When you've had guys like Pappenhausen and, and Justin Olam step up like they have this year, Hughes, Hughes kind of doing his job, but also random guys in the, in the rest of the field stepping up, like Christian Welch is playing out of his skin. He should hopefully yeah. play Origin this year. 
Tino's been great off the bench for them. Still haven't got uh, haven't got Fanukin, but other guys are performing like they just have that extra gear right now. They didn't have the last two three years. Like got like I yeah, think I Olam and Pappenhausen and the game breakers there. Olam's a weird. Like I wasn't. I genuinely wasn't that sold on Olam last year, but he's been fantastic in the back half of this season. And yeah, the the, the Pappenhausen being a fixture of this team last year when he didn't play much last this year. Sorry, when he didn't play much last year has been all the difference because you're right. There's just no spud in that spine anymore. There's no sort of player that you point at and go, well, you know, in a big game, is this guy really going to help bail them out? Now they've got obviously the goat at number nine and they've got the other three guys in the middle there um, who can all create something out of nothing. Um, they're extremely dangerous to play against. And if, and yeah, Christian Welch just transforming into one of the best prompts of the comp as well. Like if they can get a run on against whoever they play in that prelim, it's, it's it's probably going to be a, a a pretty similar result to what we saw in this game. Yeah, and um, the guys like Olam, like obviously I was on board for the for the meme more so than anything in the first place, like because I was just one of the PNG guy from Queensland Cup to kill it. But you're right, there was there was problems in his game that he needed to fix. But maybe the like the last ten weeks ago or so, he's been exceptional. I know people early in the year were talking about he shouldn't even be in first grade at one point. Yeah. He's been, like you said, him and Pappenhausen are real game breakers for them. And, you know, the, the, one of the tries they did bomb and one they scored as well actually came from Olam's, like, just good work out of yardage out of their end. You know, it's just, it's just a diff, different gear to them. And I think, you know, Brenko is, I think, exceptional either. But Brenko does okay on the other side of the field. And it's a little better than when they used to just have battlers in the centres, you know, old Will Chambers. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah what's he up to these days? I don't know. But I still hate Vunavalu. God, he, that's... That's one of those swan dives. If he did that in park footy, the brawl is starting. <laughs> it is that. right though. Like, and the thing that one of the things that I like about Olam is just his intense physicality. It's just like, he's not afraid to run the ball as hard as possible or to tackle someone as hard as possible. And then just like, like he's there having fun. Like he, he gains enjoyment from physically injuring his colleagues. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I like, obviously I wouldn't want to run at him, but like he, he makes, he obviously G's the bloke up, blokes up around him, which is really important, I think, in this team, especially for their outside backs, because like, yeah, they've got quite physical forwards, but like, if you look at their, if you look at their wingers, like, yeah, Vunavar is a bit of a grub, but you know that he's not really going to make a smashing like run in and smash someone tackle, and the fox is obviously quick and decent in defence, but he's not, again, he's not the kind of guy who's going to go in and kill someone, but like Olam being able to generate that kind of like energy in his teammates just from his actions, I think is good defensively yeah. as well as obviously like potentially incapacitating opponent. <laughs> well, that's, he never line break till round 13. Like that's, as you're saying, he didn't really play that well at the start of the year. He's been yeah. great since the, the eels. Like it just feels like, and everyone's had this feeling for ages that the wheels are slowly coming off. Like, I mean, Michael Jennings had a pretty decent game despite being thrown on the wing here. Um, but, and I thought Reid Marnie was all right, but I didn't think Gutho was, was anything special. Uh, Mitch Moses, for mine, still doesn't step up in those big games. And no. Dylan Brown's coming back from injury. Yeah, uh, just not enough I love there. I do, and I do think South are doing this week. I did think Sean Lane had a good game, though. Like, he's got, mm. got to play 80 again, and he, he played pretty well. I've always, been, I've always been a weird fan of Sean Lane, not necessarily just because he's a weird-looking unit, mm-hmm. but, like, he he seems to be one of those players who's clearly more than the sum of his parts. Um, and I think that's important in a footy team, like to have a bloke who's, who's weirdly like weirdly on a good run, but also like clearly playing above his weight range. Yeah. I remember when he, he had an amazing game just after he debuted for the Bulldogs, I think. And I just remember mm-hmm. being like, like he just was like this big gangly dude who ran hard mm. and it was just like, well, they've just found this, 
the Bulldogs unearth this another sort of violent running forward to plug in next to David Clemmer there, and he's going to be awesome for the next few years. And then he just didn't really happen for him. And, it, and mm. it's good that he's found relatively found a home at Parramatta. Um, and yeah, they're going to need huge minutes out of him this week because Souths will be looking at both edges and just be licking their lips with all yeah. the reshuffling that Parramatta are going to have to do. Hey, yeah. I feel like I feel like with Sean Lane, he would be a massive nerd. Like, <laughs> like he clearly wears like thick rim glasses away from the uh-huh. away from the away from footy and loves comic books probably has a lot of pop vinyls um but like he just goes out there and runs as hard as buggery um but yeah as you say i'm glad that he's at least they're at least getting something out of him at power yep. yeah and he he five years ago by the way 2015 i mean like he said he went yeah. to the warriors and he flailed out there but Flamed out there, sorry. Then he had that good year at Manly in 2018, sorry, when he finally mm. left the Eels. But now, any else to say is that no, I do think Storm are the team to, to challenge Penrith at this point. Like, if there is anybody, Agreed. I mean, well, it's lazy, but like, I don't know about that. Pretty controversial um, statement there, and, in my humble opinion. Yeah. And uh, the other big question mark is Cam Munster's fitness is, is huge from here on out. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of nerds with thick rim glasses and pop finals, South. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty happy one in this house on uh, Sunday afternoon. And look, in the preseason, I predicted that Souths would win at ANZ Stadium on the first Sunday in October, and I've once again been proven correct. South Sydney 46, <laughs> Newcastle Knights 20. A masterful 14-0 dickheading uh, with Souths going on to score 46 unanswered points after that. I was, if, if there was anything that disappointed me out of this result, it was that you were up... 28 what was it 14 28 I wanted it to stage. end at 28 14 it was That's all I wanted yeah, is that too I much to you. ask but no uh, you, you decided going, to, to pump them a little further throwing a 14 nil lead to then lose by exactly 14 and not scoring any more points would have been beautiful but Chef's junior kiss. Totola had other ideas Dale he did Just scoring so many tries scoring all the tries um, good, to see, good to see a thick boy getting some some scoring yeah you know it man but yeah it was it was weird again this was a game where the underdog team shot out of the blocks. Um, a great captain's challenge by Mitchell Pierce, it must be said. That was the thing he did after a mistake that showed good judgment. But then 10 minutes later, he did something at the breakdown of play that showed quite bad judgment, Dale. Uh, look, Mitch Pierce, the king of banter. Yep. Uh, Actually, I've with... got a question for you. I've got a question for you both. Stupid motherfucker. So, <laughs> you, I feel like he's answered it. You... You, you are Mitchell Pierce. You have a history POV, of letting people <laughs> on the field and it blowing up in your face. Mm, you are you? winning against a team that was expected to blow you off the park. Mm. You are the captain, the leader, the person who should be shepherding them around the field. Uh, should you, A, antagonize <laughs> the other team's best player and the competition's informed player, or B, do nothing? B, shut the fuck up, please. Correct. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Mitchell Pierce chose A and then awoke the beast inside Cody Walker. He chose A, power drive. And boy, it's just so did funny, Cody man. Walker He's done power this, drive him. Like, he, he did it with Thurston in Origin. He did the choking thing against Souths in the 24 lane mm. prelim. And now he's done it again. He just doesn't learn. It's fantastic so, stuff. So, if you don't know, if you guys don't remember these for some reason, but the one in, against Souths, it was, they were up 12 0, the Roosters were, and, and Mitchell Pierce pulled along or was Dylan Walker and he says you're, cho- you're choking mate you need to calm your team down because you're choking uh, South scored 32 unanswered points <laughs> and just like this week he get, again gets in another Walker's face at South Cody Walker's face this time 
14 nil, not 12 nil. And they can see what, 46 unanswered points? 46, yeah. 46 points. Yeah. And then in the, the one against Queensland is they lost, what was the last game? Like 50 to six, yeah. game three, whatever it was, like the massive hammering in, in game three. Like, yeah. This is a young man mistake, a 22 year old man's mistake by a guy again. We've always been told he's learned, he's mature, he, whatever. That goddamn moron, yeah, it didn't cost him the game, but it gave, gave Cody Walker a reason to fire up, didn't he? Goddamn fool. Like, why don't you get the job done for once in your life and then talk shit after it? Just once. Yeah. Just one, um, once win the game. And we, we talk about uh, we talk about the Penrith halves, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary being at the top of their game right now. But I'll tell you what, those those the six and seven for the Rabbitohs like, could not be far behind them. I'm with you on that, mate. And, and it's quite funny. Like, I know you don't want to spend too much time on Origin chat, but it's um you look a couple of years ago and you you couldn't think of origin halves for the blues you like we end up talking people talking themselves into bloody reynolds and hodkinson and it worked but like now you look at like the has form has pairings in the competition and it's you know clear in luai although luai's not picking the blues and then reynolds and cody walker and Co- reynolds and walker are playing so well now even though they've had their shots in the past those guys should be representative footballs this year and they won't be but like the the form of both of them like the try they scored to the second try they scored here mimic of what they'd done last week it's just beautiful to watch those guys link up across the park and they link up so well that like sometimes as that play they pulled off, they'll, they'll be 15 meters of space around Cody Walker and he'll just jog into it. It's like, they've just done such a good job with their prep pregame. Their, their partnership is on that such of a level that like when they click, it's gapes, you know, gaping holes in that defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, we've, we've got to talk about Corey Allen. This is the most ridiculously surprising storyline of the entire season. I just don't, understand how this guy whose name was mud at the Rabbitohs last year, his performance in the prelim final basically meant that pretty much no fan I know wanted to ever see him play for Souths again. His early season performances this year on the wing didn't do that opinion any sort of disservice either. But then suddenly with the injury to Latrell Mitchell, he goes to fullback and you'd be pretty hard pressed to find a fullback that's, you know, comprehensively outplayed him over the past six weeks. I agree with you, mate. And um, I, I guess these are the things that Wayne Bennett coach sides do, right? Like there's guys that step up and, you know, you wouldn't expect Mark Nichols to have a career year or, you know, Jed Cartwright to be okay or Bailey Serena to do their job, but they do. But then guys like Corey Allen get thrown into the fire, asked to replace Luttrell, who was leading the competition in linebacker assists. You know, he wasn't having his best year, but was a bigger part of their structure. And Corey Allen has played better than the trail was playing, if you ask me. He's been amazing at fullback. And um, I know you're being facetious when you say it, Bungard, but he is a pretty good shot at making that origin squad. Mm. I'm not being facetious at all. When you say starting at number one. Well, I mean, you, well, he thoroughly outplayed the incumbent number one who's now injured Mitchell. So yes, I don't know what to tell you. I think out of the other people you're saying he's been in more form over the last six weeks, I actually think the other one is I mean, AJ Brimson. Jokes aside, AJ Brimson's <laughs> fantastic and he deserves yeah. to play Origin. But mm. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yes, I just thought needed to mention that. And Damien Cook seems to have rediscovered that fire that hadn't really been there for much of the year. A couple of fantastic plays. That that try right before half time to Cam Murray basically decided the game. I think there wasn't a single Knights fan I know that uh, didn't think that that was game over at that point. And then of course that hilarious try at the end where. He scampered 80 meters, uh, got t- sort of half tackled, got up again. And it's quite funny because he probably should have passed the ball and he probably would have passed the ball if the game had been on the line. But he was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to try and get to the line here. And um, 
yeah, basically sums up poor Anari Tuala's day that he nearly got across to make that tackle and couldn't. And I, uh, and our good friend Harry messaged me after the game and said that Tuala had had an all-time Steve Maven performance. Um, <laughs> do you think that's too harsh or is that fair? I think it's fair. <laughs> uh, he Yeah, he had a full eight. He had seven runs for like four metres a run, it felt like, or whatever. He just oh. didn't have a great game, but... Um, as you mentioned, he dropped the ball like three or four times. You mentioned though, like Damien Cook, it was good to see him kind of own a finals game. And it, you know, he's obviously owned some Origin games, and it's not a really a monkey on his back. It just happens to be he's had two or three bad games in the finals the last two years, and people yep. they stick in people's memories. Good to see him own a finals game like this. I agree with that. Um, and I do like oh, how oh. mate South, mate, you guys, like again that pack on paper. It just isn't good on paper. It's good, There's but it's no, not good on paper. They've got no business being this good. But they're just like every week. Sense. Look, well, Sui like, and Sirenin and Mari will throw you somewhere. And then, yeah, look, someone will come on and play some edge a bit. And they will, uh, yeah, Mark Nichols will play 20 or whatever. What? Whatever. It Just throw it together. And they're all playing, almost all of them are playing career best footy at the moment. Bar Cam Murray, he was probably better last year. But I don't think there's a single other forward in that South Pack you can't say it's playing career best footy. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like you, Tom Burgess has suddenly rediscovered. I mean, he's basically turned into 2014 George Burgess. Um, Keon Kolomatangi, uh, we've talked about him enough on this podcast the last few weeks. We don't need to go into that again. Totola's playing fantastic. Jaden Sewer was a joke when he first came to South last year, but he's just turned into the, a very, very reliable edge forward who just basically just does his job, doesn't miss tackles, locks down that edge. And and then yeah, the guys like Jed Cartwright and Bailey Sirin and Jed Cartwright was had, had a bit of a shocker on debut, but he's been pretty solid since then. And then, the, and then yeah, Mark Nichols as well. It just it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. But they've only got to just keep riding this wave for three more weeks. So yeah. well, these we'll are see the what guys, happens. The guys like Mark Nichols are always why I talk about how good teams like the, I was hating when the Broncos resigned like Joe and Flegler on big money because guys like Mark Nichols are what good teams do. And it's something Wayne's done for most of his career. There's always been a Mark Nichols on his benches. You know, there's been at Brisbane. There was there was even bloody Mitchell Dodge and Jared Wallace's last stint there when we went well. But those are the guys that make a big difference to you winning competitions when you get, you know, he's not killing it, but he's coming off the bench, does his job, gets, you know, 100 metres every other week, having a career year in terms of numbers and eye tests as well. But those are the guys that make the biggest difference. Because like, you would have thought, yeah, you thought the same thing, mate. Sam Burgess retired preseason and if you want to hear our takes on Sam Burgess as a Patreon pod for that discussion if you want to hear yep. those he retired pre-season you had Ethan Lowe get injured who else got someone else missing you got injured but anyway you've, you've had injuries you've just thrown a pack together and those guys have stepped up yeah <laughs> it's crazy it doesn't make any sense uh, on the Tom, Newcastle side um, Burgess is killing it man he's getting like 160 a week it's crazy it doesn't make any sense um, yeah on the Newcastle side Caelan Pong has copped a lot, copped a lot of criticism after that this game for his performance, and of course he was, I mean, two catastrophic errors which directly led to tries. How, how much of this do you put on him? I don't think it's really a cause for alarm yet for Newcastle fans. I think you know shit happens. I don't think they were going to win the game anyway. But um, where do they go from here? Like, surely they've got to be looking at rejigging that spine next year. Well, it's interesting, like, if you hear Alex McKinnon, the, the current head of recruitment there, talking about how, like, they've dodged some bad contracts they've offered to players, have been lucky. But there is a couple of guys, I think, like, not going to get rid of Pierce, but there's not as much wiggle room in that cap as they probably like. With guys like Pierce, Clemmer, Ponga, they're sporting Frizzell. And Frizzell, we, we, we will think that they've solved some problems there. But anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, I think, Frizzell's 
not that good anyway. Like I think he's, you know, not that much of an upgrade as an edge back rower. Mm. I don't think they have much they can do, mate. They need a six bad. They do. Green was there, little one left. Kurtman isn't the full-time solution to partner Mitch Pierce, even as well as Kurtman plays in the six. It's just not the right partnership. I don't know what they do. I mean, Knights fans... Are, you idiots. Just do it. Yeah. Knights fans are trying to will themselves to getting Jake Clifford. But yeah, I was going to say, like, if you could get Aiden Caesar to come home, that would make a lot of sense. Or our, or our, or our boy Tex Hoy can just play six next year. Yeah. I think you can get away with the rest of the side, but that's... That you need that six solved, and obviously they've got they'll have big hopes of Jaden Braley when he returns next year. That was the other nightmare for them. Yeah, but, I mean uh, the, the hooking, hooking situation for them was pretty disastrous. Um, yeah, I'd love to see love to see just more of what Tex Hoy and Phoenix Crossland can do next year. I think that they've got to just sort of go with that and hope that it works out, or throw some money at someone like Aiden Caesar. I don't know, but um, yeah. obviously yeah, that, a but, great year for them in terms of strides made from the the pretty much mess of a club they've been over the last couple of years. So, Well, yeah, they can't yeah. run it back with Connor Watson and Kurt Mann as like options or Mason Lino. They just can't do that. I, I agree. Um, so we've got two games to look at ahead to this week. Um, first of all, Friday night, the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, Sydney Roosters playing the Canberra Raiders in a rematch of last year's grand final. This will be fun. Uh-huh. Yep, good. Good analysis. I am I am surprisingly confident that the Raiders could get this done. I am too. I don't know why. Neither. Um, I don't have a metric for it. I don't have a reason or a rhyme, but I have a hunch. I uh, I have the same feeling. Uh, Like I said, I think the Roosters, the talent is obviously there, and when when they want it, the game games are there for them. Like they came back this week when it wanted to be there, but I I just question the full motivation and question their ability to perform. for 80 minutes without Victor Radley. We forgot to mention that earlier. Like, friends back, but Radley was so important for their offense. And Cole Flanagan's a potato. And without Radley making him look good, mm. they're not going Jake great friend there. Back. Jake friend back, obviously huge. Um, no, yeah. Uh, Radley aside, are they full strength, I think, or just about? I mean, Ferrell's um, yeah, as well, Ferrell's obviously. Right, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but fine. But Friend is back, so he wouldn't, have, you know, he'd be on the bench anyway. Um, they welcome Sonny Bill back into the team, Dale. Could he be the difference? Sure, he could be the difference between them losing by 12 and 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, I don't know why. I just, I I think the, the point that uh, Mitch made earlier about, like, kind of wanting this to end is an interesting one because, like, I'm not saying that I have the same feeling, but... Um, I've wanted that this reign of the Roosters to end for a while. So um, I don't know. It's just I feel like the Raiders will be quite confident going into this game, obviously on the back of a relatively good performance. The Raiders have beaten them at the cricket ground this year before. I can't see any reason why they can't do it again. My, my biggest concern is obviously that, you know, it, <laughs> it's the Raiders. So it could, all, could all go horribly wrong. Um, but we don't really have any evidence to, to believe that to be the case. Like the Raiders have been in relatively good form. It, sh- it should be a cracking game. That's for one. Um, and it should be a quite open game, which, which is obviously good, good to see. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I reckon that they can get this done. I don't know why, but I think they can. Yeah. Um, I'm with you there. I think they can get it done, but it's still hard to write the roosters off. I do feel no, like, like agreed. I said, I think they're ready for their, their, their watch to end, but I don't know mm-hmm. if it's ending this week. Um, do you want to mention, yeah, again, I want to say like, Angus Crichton is 
he went from that period when he went to the Roosters, he was overrated. And now he's at that point that people just don't talk about how good he is anymore. I think he's the best he's ever been this year, even, even though he's been injured. I hate the crap people want to sack him for Tupanua. He's run last week was a huge run that almost got them back into the game when he ran over the top of um, Luai, who also did a pretty good job defending him. But, you know, they, they've got him fitter. They've got friend back in. The, the lineup, the starting lineup strong. I do think they have to play Sonny. Even though he hasn't been great, I think they just have to play him because at least he can open up the defense with a bit of you know passing before the line I when he comes off the bench. Yeah, because the rest of it is like undi- Like I know Lindsey Collins been great running hard, but him and Tupanua haven't been bringing much dynamism off the bench. You know they haven't been moving the ball around much. I think Sonny can open the game up a little, and Orbison's just there because he's Mitch Orbison. He's not for like, shit anymore. That's that's one thing that I was going to mention is that like I look at that bench and obviously Tup- Tupanua I rate. Lindsay Collins is a very good ball runner and, you know, is is very physical and will make meters for them. But, like, the other two, I don't fear if I'm a Raiders fan. <laughs> um, whereas if you look at the Raiders bench, like, yeah, Dynamis Louie has dick fingers, but, like, he can run hard for, you know, however many 40 minutes he's going to be out there. And, like, Harawira Naira is in relatively good form. Hudson Young wants to go out there and kill people on the daily. And Havili is like, he's versatile enough to be playing really like four positions. So I'm not trying to say that obviously the Raiders have better depth off the bench, but at least I feel looking at those, those four um, as, you know, instant interchange options. Like I feel like the Raiders are going to be able to get a lot more out of them. Like Mitch Orbison, like really? Is it 2006? Come on, Mm. like put someone else on there. Who are these other men? Matty Cavallo, play him in the put play him in second row. Who cares? Uh, did you see what Sias did to Matty Cavallo? I don't think that's a good idea. No. Uh, look, you make a valid point. Daniel yeah. Fafita, another Fafita. Like just get Too him many out Fafitas. there. I think it should be Ridiculous. not allowed. It's they should be bit, forced to register. It's just a bit decadent, isn't it? We're 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 license plates. There's like they're like they're the right. cyclists of the NRL. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, yeah, I'm also. I think the Raiders will get it done, but um, I'm not going to write the Roosters off. Obviously, I mean, I'm a bit of a fence sitter here. I'll tip the Raiders though. Um, I've talked myself into Junior Totola trampling Tom Starling to win a grand final in the most beautiful act of karma ever. So I need to tip the Raiders here for that to happen. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll take the Raiders by uh, 1 to 12. Okay. All right. And then 24 hours later at Bankwest Stadium, not ANZ Stadium as like, some people thought it should be played at. Ridiculous idea. Shut up. Um, why? Why would you have it? It would be a South's home game. Yeah, oh, because so more fans could come. It's oh, good. It's more fans can come. Shut it's so up. stupid, man. I mean, ignoring the, ignoring this season because of COVID, like every yeah, other year, on. like no one goes to games and then suddenly it gets a finals time and we suddenly care about all these people who don't go to games being able uh, to uh, go to games. And yeah. I'm also certain that, like, again, that even if, if they moved to ANZ, they wouldn't hit the COVID cap because people no. aren't going fucking anywhere because of coronavirus right now. I'm not people going. People not go back to anything. Yeah. Well, you were having this discussion with uh, with Mary off mic about the price for tickets. And like, oh, that's another thing. Yeah, seventy-five bucks. Get the fuck out of here. Like, they they can make it that expensive because a supply is obviously significantly lower than demand because they've already sold is it. Is it? And, and they've B, already sold out. And and oh. B, it's the last ticket and Parramatta fans going to buy all year, so they yeah, have to put exactly. all their money out. Like they're going to sell. So why not make make them a thousand dollars? Who cares? I mean, I Bougie I want to kind fans. of. I want to. I, I will try and withdraw myself from this because people will call me biased. I'd like you to to make the case. For either of these teams to win this game, <laughs> withdrawing yourself to be called by I'm recusing from myself N- from this argument. From you, are, you truly are the Jeff Sessions of this group. Yeah, well, we are notably unbiased <laughs> on this podcast, as people would always know. I but 
Yeah, and I also think Souths will win easily. But Souths thirteen plus. For Wayne me. Bennett FC twenty eight plus. <laughs> well, can we get a, okay. If there so, are any gambling agencies out there, first of all, gamble responsibly, uh, and secondly, can we get a lot? Can we get a pet for twenty eight plus? All right. In all seriousness, I, I, I just, especially if Ferguson's out, I fear, I fear for them coming out of their own end and with a, and with a. When, when you're coming up against a kicker with the caliber of Adam Reynolds, that's a big problem. Mm. And then on the flip side, in defense, um, I just think massive reshuffles causes confusion at the best of times. They were already relatively frail on those edges. And the way Souths are opening up both sides of the field at the moment, I can't really see a path to victory for Parramatta unless their forwards just completely beat the shit out of Souths forwards. If if they're without Sevo and Ferguson this week, they're playing with 11. Honestly. Because I mean, like yeah. the amount of reshuffles that they have had to make, and and Sevo and and Ferguson have really been one of the uh, two of the only constants in their in their team this season. Like yeah. they're they're basically they they're throwing you know meat into the crocodile pen. Well, this is I mean we didn't talk about this in I, I don't think I don't think Paul has been as good in the second half of the year as he was in the first half of the year. And I mean we didn't talk about this in the in the game recap, but Dylan Brown is still injured, right? Like you can see he's not a hundred percent the way he's playing. So. They've just got a million problems across the field, and I, I think that not only losing last week, but the the the, the smashing Souths gave them a few weeks ago will probably play a part mentally as well. Mm. Um, I mean, and of course I want Souths to win, but I, I, I would be relatively surprised if they did not. I I would be flabbergasted if they don't yeah. win. It's weird though, right? Because Souths and sorry, Parramatta and Canberra are paying the same odds. Yeah, well, that's because that the you know odds are dictated by the market as opposed well, to yeah. But I've but this is the thing, right? Like, and and obviously, and the, the the three of us is an example. But like people I've been talking to for the last few days about this, like most people think Souths are morals, and most people think Canberra have a chance. So I don't. It's a bit weird to me. I, that I also think that it it might be a lot of people thinking that they're getting too much value on they're getting too much value on Souths. So maybe they're, oh, they're maybe. holding off. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, but yeah, all right. So yeah, one of the um, benefits, though, like you got you worried about the forwards getting rolled over, mate. Souths play so fast now that they're so good at moving the ball around that it's yeah, always it's about true. making needles at the gut. It's just, mm. I guess the only the only time they've lost they've lost two games in the past three months, and in both of those games, was basically one half bad game against the Bulldogs where they couldn't hold on to the ball, and they have that game in them. It happened against Canberra earlier in the year as well. They just have these and Penrith as well, actually. So they just have these random games where just suddenly no one can hold on to the footy. Everyone's like, and I was kind of worried about that early on last week when Adam Reynolds had that kick out in the full, in like the uh, second time he kicked the ball. And they obviously had the error on the first set of the game. And I was kind of worried that it was going to be one of those games as well. And if it is end up being one of those games for South this week, the Paramount have a red hot chance. Um, do we want to briefly talk about the NRLW before we get into the news? Yeah, we have to talk yeah, about um, that. Great to have it back. Uh, was that the best kick we've ever seen on an NRLW field? Though? Yes, it was. It was probably the best kick this week. <laughs> Honestly, like that incredible that kick. If people didn't see this, Dale. First of all, it. okay, so you've got a 38 year old prop <laughs> standing a first receiver on the fifth tackle. You're 35 meters away from your own line. Do you a try and kick the ball yourself because you're a dummy half, or b hoik it to your prop? Who is then going to boot it seventy meters downfield to get it to st- to get it to stop a meter before the dead ball line? The only disappointing thing about this that was she the got chase. out of the end goal. She, oh, the, the chase terrible. was awful, um, but, but like yeah. no one knew that she was going to be able to do that. It was awesome. I wish it went out for forty twenty. 
That would have been funny. But yeah, uh, Roosters cruised to an 18-4 win over the Dragons before Brisbane uh, accounted for the Warriors uh, 28-14. to So a couple of 14-point margins there for yeah. the, Dragons the Roosters. Were, and, Dragons were awful. Charlotte they were is fantastic. She's great. Um, yeah, Warriors was always going to be a bit hard given the sort of hurdles they're having to overcome yeah. this year. Um, and I, I'm, I'm already calling that it's just going to be yet another Brisbane Roosters grand final mm. with the Broncos probably winning it. Big big fan of uh, Elsie Albert from Dragons, uh, PNG Export. She is terrifying. Terrifying. Yes, as we established last week, not Darren Albert's sister. No, which is a shame. Um, mm, I agree. Uh, for all concerned, uh, but yeah, yeah, she she was fantastic. Um, the Saints didn't have a real lot of go forward, and they didn't have great service out of the ruck. But like the the chooks were just they were they were there to they're, play. They're doing it again this week, by the way. Like the the first NRLW game is like six hours before seven, like six or seven hours before the main game mm. at Bankwest. I don't get it. What I don't either. Like I I understand because of COVID and stuff, but there's got to be a workaround, surely. Like it wasn't that long ago that you know people they they had demountable changes. I'm not suggesting that should be like a permanent thing going forward, but like. Maybe just bring them in just for these just for these COVID games because like, yeah. who's going to go and watch a twelve thirty game, and then the next game's not till four, and then the fi- the main game's at seven thirty. This is like just gigantic game. The, the cricket ground has four sets of change rooms. Well, I don't actually know if Bankwest has more than two change it rooms. It does because they've hosted W League doubleheaders there before. Oh well, there you go. Well, yeah, then- there's four change rooms. There has to be. Almost well, every new ground that's built, they're always built with yeah. four new change rooms yeah, specifically I, because I, women are I, Look, women obviously, are there. I, I, there are a few podcasts that support the women's game more than we yeah. do, but man, seven, going to watch a game in person, I'll watch it on TV, don't get me wrong, but people going to the game are not going to turn up seven hours before the NRL kickoff to watch a, to watch a curtain raiser. No. Ridiculous. I don't turn up an hour before games. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, so that's the NRLW. Uh, so uh, without any further ado, we'll jump into some news. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Redradra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Redradra. Okay, uh, main talking point. Uh, thank God we waited a couple of hours to record this podcast. Uh, Vilana Kikau was found guilty at the judiciary and will miss Penrith's preliminary final against either the South Sydney Rabbitohs or the Parramatta Eels. Um, Mitchell, would you like to run us through the Jerome Luai defence that they tried to employ? So I'm of the opinion, and we've had this a few times on here, I don't think players should miss finals games on the same weighted point system as regular season games. People who say I- it's so different to round four are idiots. They are. But someone who might be dumber than certain idiots who think they're the same is the legal defense from, uh, from Billy Kickow's team over here. Now, if you haven't seen the, the Just incident... Just to clarify, did Bill Kickow represent himself in this defense? Because it's... He did not. Like it. <laughs> like, so uh, if you haven't seen the tackle, I'm sure you have, but if you haven't seen it by now, it's, it's all Kickow. Yeah. And then Luai kind of touches him on the way down. After he's passed horizontal, Luai puts like a hand on him. The defense from Kickass uh, defense. Well, there you go. Uh, they argued that whilst first contact was around the hips from Kickow, and it was subsequent attempt to get Hargraves to the ground as quick as possible, the driving came from uh, from Jerome Luai joining the tackle, adding his own body weight downward. 
that caused the upward swing of JWH's legs. So that one little does, hand. How much does Chorom Luai weigh? I don't know, but Probably about like 40, eighty kilos. Probably about forty-seven kilos. <laughs> Hargrave's like one hundred and seventy kilos, whatever. Yeah. And one hand from Drum Luai has sent him spiraling downwards towards the ground, and his legs. It was the literal upwards. straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yes, and then and also Hargreaves is also trying to roll on his back. It was that as well. Then the other thing he said there was a freeze frame moment of the moment uh, Hargreaves' elbow connects the ground, noting his head and neck were above the ground, which apparently that is usually how spear tackles yeah, work. Uh, that means there was never any real danger of you know. Oh. <laughs> Well, I mean, now that you've said that, and then also he was trying to roll him on his back to, to cushion the fall, but the actions of of, of Luai impeded this. Yeah, it is a, it, look, I look, I appreciate them shooting their shot with that ridiculous defense. Didn't work out for him, and that's a huge loss for them. Um, but we'll, we'll get into you, that more next. You'd week have been better off with like just let the boys play defense and that saying Honestly, it was Luai. Just say it was the heat of the moment. And then saying a speed hacker wasn't that dangerous because the other guy's arm hit the ground first. Oh, well, guess we better, you know, just any speed hackers, only speed hackers now if they land on the head. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. You're safe. What a moron. Um, <laughs> the Storm well and truly leaning into their villain role. Brandon Smith literally stealing candy from a baby today, Dale. Did you why, not see why, this? Why is he bullying? Why is he bullying kids? Is, is that not? Is it not Craig Bellamy's like grandson or something? Yeah, it's obviously yeah. a joke, but it was very funny. It was yeah, it was Craig. I mean, you've, you've, they've got. We've got to have a heel. We know this. Well, yeah. So Craig, if anyone hasn't seen this, Craig Bellamy's grandson sitting there holding a lollipop uh, as they're getting off the team bus or something, and Brandon Smith just steals it. Great. In the immortal, in it. the immortal words of Andy Harper, it's like stealing baby from a candy. Um, but in in more serious uh, storm chicanery. Um, there was a bit of chat about um, Suliasi Vunavalu's incident uh, where the trainer basically, I guess, encouraged him to stay down and fake a cramp to stop play. Uh, how do we feel about this? Yes, stay down and fake cramp. Well, I mean, isn't it. isn't the rule that cramp is <laughs> you, something you've always that you been can stop the game Edwards, for? So. I have been. Yeah. Is, is, uh, that, is that the rule? You can't stop the game for cramp? Well, yes. Yeah, well, they did. Well, so, anyway, yeah, but there's all these rules. They have to be injuries or, you know, the, all that kind of stuff, whatever. But um, you can't just stop the game for someone getting cramped, but it just happens. But I always like those people, Bungard, because back in my front row forward days, they wouldn't let a pack of scrum without me. That's how it works, right? So yeah. if my team was ever winning, and like, if you're playing schoolboy level or whatever, there's no, there's no extra time. There's no overtime. The game has to finish because the next time it has to start. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd sit down every scrum. Like, oh, a bit of cramp. Sit there. Got wave, a sore neck. Oh. Wave to the sideline. Bring a water. Sit there. Have a chat to the assistant coach. Then he'd go back. I used to do it all the time. People hated yeah. it, and I goddamn loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here for that king shit at the NRL level when it still gets to happen, when it's clearly fake. I mean, we're only, we're only, what, like, you know, a, f- a couple of rounds removed from the talk of having designated scrum packings. So, I mean, we are re- we really are going back to park footy at this point. But my um, favorite, it was just straight up sitting on the ground. That was all I'd do. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd just wave. <laughs> I'm injury. I've got a cramp in my hip. Um, Eddie Jones has thrown Anthony Seabold a lifeline. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Jones has reached out to Anthony Seabold to do video analysis for him. That's a bit of a weird one. Is he aware that they're not the same sport? Yeah. Well, hey, there were there were rumors. There was like a little bit of murmurs a couple of years ago that Checker was going to come and coach South. So. Well, Eddie there Jones was talk, has his rumors there was too, talk, Yeah, talk that Eddie Jones is going to be coaching in the NRL. 
Well, Czech has been working at at, at uh, the Roosters now, but uh, mm. also what's his name? Uh, Jason Riles is going to Union as well, isn't he? Yeah. And um, but Eddie Jones and Anthony Seabold, two noted wankers. You know, Eddie Jones is a good coach, yeah. but noted wanker. Yeah. Storied wanker, actually, I would say mm. Eddie Jones. Um, they've been friends for um for some time. And I think that's that's where Seabold stole some of his ideas that he claimed were originals from, like it's soapy balls. Oh, I caught it from Eddie and whatever. But I'm not surprised by this. We're doing a bit of video analysis, classic like I've got some cash, I'll just get a made a job and keep yeah. him active. Yeah. Yep. Let's have a look at this ruck breakdown. I don't know. What are they even? Who, um, who knows? And, and and Mitch Mitch did mention it earlier, but if you've if you've been waiting if you missed that and you've been waiting around for any Semba, just chat. We did do a Patreon special on that, and that is where those takes will stay. So if you do want to hear that. Uh, Sam Burgess special that we did. Um, feel free to support us on Patreon. And that is, of course, at uh, patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. Uh, who, who, was on the, news? who was on the Sam Burgess chat, just for those playing at home? Well, me and, me and Mitch, because um, I don't know. Where were you? At work. You're at work. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, fair. It's us, fair. Just curious. Some of us can afford you know. to gallivant around and do so, podcasts at eleven a.m. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah, some of us could gallivant over lunch and do podcasts. Exactly right. Um, any other news? There's a bit, there's a bit of signings news. Young Tonema P oh. is going to rugby. Uh, oh, C.S. Oliola re-signed with the Raiders. Uh, the Storm re-signed all of their thousand eight fullbacks. Um, who did they re-sign? They said re-signed Lumi Lumi, Chris Lewis, and some other person. But yeah, just just regular signings news. Other than that, not not much. I don't think. Well, uh, in yeah. that case, no other news. Other I... news is uh, Wayne Bennett is going to drop Josh McGuire apparently from Queensland. That's big news. Oh, uh, actually, him yeah, and Clemmer. Uh, how do you guys feel about? I mean, we'll get into the full origin later at the time, but we've already it's already been reported that um, David Clemmer will not be a part of that. Oh, a part of those plans. Pretty interesting move, I would have thought. Yeah, I think Clemmer, I don't know why he got dropped because there's Newcastle coaches on that coaching staff too that generally get Newy boys in. And so I feel he deserves to be there now, but I thought that's tough on Clemmer. And I I think he's had a pretty good year and he's added more to his game offloading-wise and similar. And there is other middles available for the Blues that are good, but I just think he should be there. I think he's still good enough. Um, Josh Reguard, I think that's a good dropping. And I think, um, you know, I don't think he's up to that standard anymore. I know Queensland has a lack of depth to some in the middles, but like Wayne's coming in. He might only have one year to do it, but it's, I know it's a long time ago. Back in 2001, when Wayne came in, Queensland had been whitewashed the year prior and he debuted 11, sorry, 10 people in game one the year after. And Queensland won that series in 2001. Debuted old ass Kevin Campion at 29, you know, David Lloyd Takiri, debuted Carl Webb, other young players who barely played first grade. And then debuted two more in game two. Uh, Dane Carlo and I forget who, and then had Alfie come back game three. Mm. And what I'm saying is I'm excited by the idea of guys like Josh Maguire getting dropped because at least Orange won't be the same goddamn song sheet for Queensland this year. It's been so boring in the last few years that Kevy picked up Mal's song sheet and just kept playing the same players. Wayne's going to pick and form players, maybe some different ones, and you know maybe that team will get it done. But I think a young pack with like Moiki Fodawaka, Josh Papali, Jai Arrow, Tino, Tino uh, Christian Welch, like that as a middle core is more competitive than one featuring um, featuring Josh Maguire at this point. The young mobile physical pack will be a better way for Queensland. It's forward. the same kind of thing that Freddie did uh, when Freddie took over. Like you just start pick. It's funny what happens when you pick 
players based on how well they're playing instead of how well they've played. Like I know, obviously there's going to be players who will always grow a third leg in the origin arena, but sometimes you've just got to pick a player while the, you know, you've got to strike while the iron's hot. I don't know how that would help you run faster, but having a third leg. Mm-hmm. I've... Uh, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah. Quick shout out to our uh, top two tiers of Patreon patrons. Um, and once again, if you want to support us, patreon.com forward slash NRL boom rookies. But a quick shout out to Carlo Tyson, Bert Andrews, Frankie, uh, Never Trendy, Dave, Dan Cullinane, Harvey G, Chris Abnell, Maddie McPherson, Michael Murray, Roxanne Clark, Warwick Ahern, Ty, uh, Simo Alley, Wayne Ritchie, uh, Jason, Tom Hardy, Jace G, Thor Laycock, and Morgan Watkins. Uh, we love all of you and we are very Humbled by your continued support of us, and that goes for all the people in those lower tiers as well. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. A few extra ones on the back of that uh, bonus episode that we did. So once again, we said it before, but if there's any any sort of bonus content that might get your uh, get you sort of interested or, or would motivate you to want to sort of support us more, please let us know because we're obviously always open to ideas and mm. and suggestions. Uh, just it, one one other Patreon who I want to shout out. Um, for his on-field achievements, Andy Cusson, friend of the pod, uh, won the South Australian Amateur Football League last week. Saved three penalties in the penalty shootout. So, wow. good job, Andy, uh, for Flinders for Flinders Uni. So, good job, now, Andy. Now, what's uh, South Australia? Can you explain that to me? Uh, it's a it's a spot near <laughs> Victoria, but not as <laughs> interesting. And they have how much rugby league there? Uh, well, they have one origin, so. And so how do you, and he saved three penalty goals in rugby? Yeah, in he did rugby. three charge downs, <laughs> yeah, I okay. think. Yeah. No, I, I think they I think they're I think they're called smothers. Three okay, smothers, yeah, sorry, three smothers, sorry. Three smothers in the grand final. Congratulations on the flag, Andy. But that's it, that's mate, three <laughs> penalty saved at a shootout is, is a fucking top. It's incredible. That's yeah. that's Madden um level. That's um subbing on um old mate. What was the Dutch guy's name? They subbed on for the penalties. Tim Cruel. That's Tim Cruel areas. That's yeah. good shit. Good on you, Andy. Um, but yeah, we have come to the end of another podcast. Um, oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, thanks again for listening. Uh, enjoy this weekend's games. Please don't message me if South lose. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. Are you okay? That was a very. <laughs> I, uh, I I just muted myself like a clown. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, and uh, say goodbye, Dale. Please message him if South lose. Goodbye. <laughs> it's goodbye from me.